Good morning. My name is Tracy Dokes, and I'm the president and CEO of MCNC. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. This is a community connect, which is a podcast where leaders and innovators regularly meet to discuss some of today's hottest topics and trends. Each episode is aimed at fresh ideas to inspire and to have important conversations around technology's increasing role in economic development, digital equity and inclusion, broadband infrastructure, cybersecurity, and many more. Today, I am joined by two great guests that I spent uh, quite a bit of time with. They are experts in healthcare connect fund discounts and providing broadband connectivity to our rural locations across North Carolina. They are Tracy Olson and John Graham. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's dive right in. John is the current president of NCTNA and one of its founders. Please share some things about yourself first and how you got involved in NCTNA. Sure. Um, so about 15 years ago, I was working at the uh, UNC Gilling School for uh, Global Public Health. And I was working, among other things, I was working with health departments uh, to help them adopt electronic health records. There was a federal program called the Meaningful Use Program. We were helping them with what was called attestation and things like that. Uh, I was working with a former colleague of mine from Duke named Dave Kirby, and uh, who is, uh, was one of the founders and a great force for good in, in healthcare in North Carolina. Um, and uh, one of the things we found as we worked with the health departments was that a lot of them didn't have, particularly the rural health departments, didn't really have the connectivity they needed to run electronic health records, much less run electronic health records and do telehealth and other things. So we looked around and Dave discovered a pilot program from the FCC uh, that would provide discounts for eligible providers and health departments were, were eligible providers. I talked with folks at the Golden Leaf Foundation. We made grant applications to both organizations and succeeded. And with that, set up an internet service provider called the North Carolina Telehealth Network. <clears throat> um, as we started off the uh, program, we did a, an extensive request for proposals where we uh, put together a set of very rigorous requirements. And of course, with broadband and uh, healthcare, um, the quality of broadband can literally be a life and death kind of thing. So we wanted to make sure that the requirements were very rigorous. So we put these together and then we uh, issued a, a request for proposal to internet service providers around the state, public and private, and had a very spirited competition. And in the end, MCNC won out and it's been a wonderful partnership since then. Uh, and we can sort of talk more about the partnership at that point. But uh, a couple of years ago, I retired from UNC and uh, we uh, established NCTN as more formally NC, the North Carolina Telehealth Network Association, which is a nonprofit dedicated to the provision of broadband, particularly to rural providers uh, around the state, although we serve a lot of the largest uh, health systems too at this point. Um, one of the best decisions that we made along the way was, we did, was Tracy Olson, who is now our executive director. And Tracy and I had worked on an earlier healthcare related project where we were trying to demonstrate the value of technology and in, uh, in healthcare, you know, various projects. And Tracy came in and was a 
project manager for a number of, or really for the larger project, as well as uh, keeping an oversight of some of the more, the smaller projects. And she was clearly very capable, very talented. So we invited her to consider joining NCTN and she did. And uh, it was a very happy uh, confluence for both of us, for, for, for Dave and I and for the, the network and all together. And so Tracy is now the driving force behind the network. And I'm gonna turn it over to her and let her talk about sort of her role. So Tracy. I'm starting back at the, not the very beginning, but a little bit more about my career history. Uh, I have a bit of a geeky background. I was a software developer for quite a while during the, the dot-com, glorious years of the dot-com days, which was pretty exciting. Um, and I still like to develop a little bit on the side. Um, but at then I started moving into business analysis and project management. Um, to this day, business process improvement, I just get excited about it. I know Tracy D is the, the same way. It's, uh, it kind of lights us up when we talk about it. Um, I started specializing in healthcare then at that point. And, you know, process improvement and healthcare are, are perfect partners. Um, the fascination for me is really about uh, controlling healthcare costs, not just controlling them, but reducing healthcare costs. And the initial pilot program that NCTN was part of that John mentioned uh, was, was really fascinating because at the end of that pilot program, they did a pretty robust evaluation and it showed that it was really able to reduce healthcare costs because of connecting resources across rural healthcare providers and then usually their urban counterparts. Um, one example I remember is if there was a, say, a car accident at 3 a.m. in the morning in a very rural location, that hospital may have an MRI machine, but they wouldn't have anybody necessarily able to read it, at least not right away. So the end result would have been having to airlift somebody, which was extremely expensive. And instead, they are able now with increased broadband to send that MRI to somebody else that can read it and make the determination whether that chopper was necessary. Um, there's just endless stories like that in, in the evaluation that's really a fascinating reading and, and very exciting. So um, I was very interested in joining uh, as part of the Permanent Healthcare Connect Fund, which we're participating in now. We knew there'd be a lot of growth once the pilot program ended, um, and there was. And so that's what I was able to come in and do and focus on how do we um, do some technology automation and process improvement. We ended up quadrupling the number of services in the next, in the first like three or four years um, without any additional staff. So it was a very exciting time. And then we also formed a, our own independent 501c3 nonprofit at the end of that, which was a, an awesome experience. And I'm very thankful that I, I get to work with John still. We've had, we've had a great time over quite a few years now. So it's been, uh, it, it's, it's been a really great project. So Tracy Olson and I um, met when I first started at MCNC 21 months ago, and I did not know that you also used to be a software developer. This is just really intriguing because that's uh, how I started my career as well. Um, it, so let's talk a little bit about um, COVID and how it's impacted um, healthcare and exposed the connectivity gaps. As we all know, ubiquitous, affordable emphasize affordable broadband access is important to achieve digital equity. 
National Digital Inclusion Alliance defines that as a condition in which all individuals and communities have the information technology capacity needed for full participation in our society, democracy, and economy. The pandemic has uh, triggered massive technology shifts and shined a bright light on the haves and the have-nots in North Carolina. We continue to emphasize the importance of high-speed internet and how the right investments in broadband can drive economic and social growth, as well as positive healthcare outcomes. John, healthcare has forever changed um, has been forever changed as a result of the pandemic. Can you elaborate on these changes and what these changes mean for the provision of broadband to healthcare providers? Sure. Um, there are really two, there are obviously lots of uh, impacts that the pandemic has had and lots of lights shined on different uh, facets of technology and healthcare. But to sort of sum it up, they're really the two sort of glaring uh, examples are uh, issues of healthcare access and technology access. And they're both, of course, intertwined as we move into the domain of telehealth. Um, so what, <clears throat> again, my work at the in, the in the School of Public Health was one where I went in all over the state and worked with health departments all over the state and had a real window into the health disparities that we have around the state. In many of the rural parts of the state, we have uh, shortages of uh, clinicians. And in many parts of the state, we have no or very few uh, behavioral health providers. And in many of the poorer uh, rural parts of the state, that's particularly important because there are lots of examples of what they call uh, conditions of despair, like suicide and substance use uh, problems and that sort of thing. Um, so healthcare and access uh, is a critical problem for uh, rural parts of the state. And then we uh, fold in also the, what we commonly know as the digital divide, where we have uh, lack of access to technology as well. So uh, with the pandemic, both of these things were highlighted. And, uh, and they were highlighted importantly because we saw an, an explosion in the use of telehealth. Um, I've talked with uh, providers around the state and around the country, and it was quite common to see a 30-fold increase in the use of telehealth over the course of a couple of months in 2020. That's pared back some, but we're still looking at something on the order of a 10-fold increase to the pre-pandemic levels of uh, telehealth use. Lots of people have used it. Um, there have been lots of evaluations, and what we found is that telehealth is really very widely appreciated by patients. Um, in many cases, they prefer it. They prefer the convenience and they're satisfied that the quality, both from a diagnostic and treatment perspective, is, is sufficient. Um, so uh, it's a new era in terms of telehealth. And of course, the question then of uh, these divides, the digital divide and the lack of access to healthcare, um, becomes increasingly important and the role of broadband becomes increasingly important. How do we get broadband out to the people that? that need access to healthcare and can get access to healthcare through telehealth solutions. So we have been working on that and that's been a, that's been a key piece of the work we've been doing uh, both before the pandemic and even more so since the pandemic. Thank you, John. Um, we've talked uh, not on this podcast, but in, in other uh, blogs that we've placed on 
um, on our website about the impact to these communities and their ability to thrive um, if they've got the right level of health care. What challenges does, does NCTNA face for delivering those broadband services that you talk about to these rural uh, providers? Well, they're very much like the challenges that any uh, sort of internet service for a private or nonprofit faces in that as you get into rural parts of the state, you have fewer people and you still have build-out costs and that sort of thing. So it can be very expensive. And so that's something we face, but we've been able to partner with MCNC and with the uh, Healthcare Connect Fund to be able to address a lot of these problems. With regard to MCNC in particular, um, one of the reasons the partnership has been such a good partnership is the alignment of our missions. Uh, and that has been expressed in the... Um, in the way in which the networks have been built. So MCNC uh, was a, a significant participant in VTOP. They worked with Golden Leaf. They worked with other providers like Facebook and have expanded their footprint to about 4,000 miles of fiber optic cable with a real emphasis on expanding that footprint in rural parts of the state. So we've been able to piggyback uh, with our uh, mission that is very congruent uh, with MCNC and their development of their larger fiber optic network to meet, reach lots of peoples in rural parts of the state at a cost that's not prohibitive. And then of course, we've engaged in the Healthcare Connect Fund and Tracy will talk more about that later, uh, which has enabled us to provide very significant discounts for eligible providers, many of whom are rural nonprofits like community health centers and uh, health departments. So in, with the help of MCNC and their focus and development, and with the Healthcare Connect Fund, we've been able to address a number of these rural issues. Um, I'd like to just briefly talk about a story where we can really, I think, make in uh, very concrete terms, uh, we can make it clear what the value of this kind of broadband is. Um, in the Eastern part, in North Carolina, we, have, we are part of what is called the Stroke Belt, which it includes most of the Southern states and is a result of, lots of good down-home eating over many years. <clears throat> um, and if we look at the eastern part of the state, that's commonly referred to as the stroke belt buckle because the rates of stroke are even higher there, much higher um, from I-95 East. Mm. We have a lot, we currently serve a, a, a number of critical access hospitals in the eastern part of the state through the Biden health system. And these are hospitals that are in smaller communities and um, are, are, are critical to the healthcare in those communities. Um, and again, they have lots of people presenting with uh, symptoms of stroke. At Wake Forest Baptist in Winston-Salem, they have a stroke expert team that is uh, available 24 seven and have the latest in diagnostics and various kinds of treatments. And a lot of these diagnostics and treatments can be made available over uh, over broadband. So what has happened is we, we provide connectivity between uh, Winston-Salem and the critical access hospitals in Eastern North Carolina. And when they, a hospitalist or an uh, emergency room physician sees someone presenting stroke-like signs, they immediately contact the stroke experts at Wake Forest Baptist 24 seven. And they found this to be a very successful program. They, they believe that they have 
impacted in very material ways the quality of life for over 2,000 patients. And many of the patients that would have had to go to a tertiary care center have been able to stay home uh, rather than do that to be with their families through, you know, throughout what is clearly a very trying experience. So this is just one of many different applications where broadband, really reliable, high-speed broadband can be critical to the healthcare access uh, in rural parts of the state. Just a little example. Yeah, and that's a great example. Very, very impactful and, and goes back to, you know, those thriving communities that need um, these critical services. A question I have for you, John, that we hadn't discussed prior is with all the federal funding um, that's going to be available for the U.S., but in particular North Carolina, do you see an intersection there with um, that funding and how it may impact uh, NCTNA and its clients? Yes, I, I think for NCTNA, we really would be a conduit to help people secure those funds. Um, but uh, this represents a, a potential sea change in the digital divide. It could, if it's done correctly, could eliminate the divide itself. And so we're very excited about it. And in line with our mission, we're, uh, we're working on the development of what we're calling the North Carolina Healthcare Broadband Coalition. And the purpose of this coalition is to make sure that our healthcare providers are connected with the speeds they need, uh, particularly in rural parts of the state and that their patients were also connected with the speeds they need to participate in telehealth. This is a once in a generation, it may be a once in forever opportunity. So it's critical that we take full advantage and, and NCTNA is, uh, is, is pleased to have an opportunity to help with that. Yeah, as are we, as yeah, you know. Uh, I, I completely agree. This is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, let's shift topics for a little bit and talk about the role of NCTNA, um, the Healthcare Connect Fund, and eligibility. As Jim has uh, clearly outlined, broadband continues to revolutionize healthcare in this country. Today's telehealth environment increasingly depends on electronic and digital connections that assure high quality care is provided efficiently, effectively, and an acceptable, affordable cost. Accessing remote experts on a moment's notice, sharing information among a patient's physicians quickly and easily, keeping parents up to date on the details of their child's doctor visits, and providing continuing education to healthcare providers all depend on highly reliable and a very fast broadband connection. Meeting this challenge at an affordable cost for North Carolina's public health agencies, hospitals, and other public and nonprofit healthcare providers is the primary mission of NCTNA. The FCC established Healthcare Connect Fund in 2012. How has NCTNA leveraged that program to benefit North Carolina? Tracy? Well, one of the interesting things about the Healthcare Connect Fund that a lot of people may not know is it's part of the rural healthcare program, but it's not just rural sites that can participate. And as I mentioned earlier, having the ability to connect the rural sites to their urban counterparts, that partnership where they can share technology, they can share data, they can share resources. We've had many examples of that. That's key. 
And the only way to be able to, to do that and part of the Healthcare Connect Fund to get discounts is through a consortia. And the North Carolina Telehealth Network Association is a consortia. So if an individual site, for example, tries to get discounts to the Healthcare Connect Fund, they have to be rural. But if they participate as part of a consortia, we also have some urban sites that are allowed. For example, community healthcare providers, behavioral healthcare providers, health departments, um, FQHCs, um, as part of our consortia, they can be urban as well. Um, nonprofit hospitals, um, the only thing that really can't is the, the health clinic has to be rural to participate. So that was one of the other things that the pilot program proved is the value of consortia because we are able to make all these connections on such a wide scale basis. There's a lot of economies of scale and then able to work with, with MCNC like we have. Uh, we can really focus on our processes um, and how to work together better, how to be efficient. If, if you have an individual, um, say health clinic or hospital working on their own, it's very segmented and very divided. And there is so many rules to learn in the Healthcare Connect Fund program that uh, it's, it's just really critical in order to get the most out of the program. You have to know the ins and outs of the rules and you have to know um, other people in the program. So we have done a lot of advocacy. We're part of the Shelby Coalition, the Schools Health and Library Broadband Coalition. They've been tremendously helpful where we connect all across the nation with other leaders. And it's really a, a spirit of, a spirit of um, partnership there too, where we can reach out and say, you know, I'm having trouble getting this form accepted or this is happening. Has anybody seen this? And it's such an amazing community um, there's been times where uh, that, that despair that John mentioned, I think would have overcome us in the Healthcare Connect Fund if it wasn't for Shelby. Uh, it has just been such a bright light. And so we do a lot of advocacy for um, the members of our consortia through Shelby. Um, we work to raise the funding cap whenever we are able to, to prove that need. And we've been able to do that successfully so far, um, about I think it was two or three years ago. And we're working on it again now. So we're, we're hopeful about that. We're also, um, we really focus a lot on increasing program transparency in the administration of the program. We want to be able to see data from the program. We want to see what the demand is. Why are there denials? Um, you know, what kind of problems are people facing? So we can focus on not only the funding, but improving the processes and that just doesn't help us, but it also helps those individual healthcare providers that I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Shelby, Tracy. That's a very uh, good resource, a community that um, MCNC utilizes as well. And shout out to John Winhausen for all the work he does to keep us all connected. Uh, I wanted to ask how has the Healthcare Connect Fund changed over the years? And how has NCTNA adapted to those changes and how has it worked to improve the program? Um, and the start when we were just transitioning from the pilot program, the you know, program as a whole was much smaller. So there were differences like, like you could expect, like we had a assigned liaison at USAC, the Universal Services Administration Company that administers the program. We had our own liaison. So she knew me, you know, we talked each week. If I some, sent something in, she'd say, 
you know, I, I noticed you did it this way, but if you change this to this, you know, it would be a lot more clear. And if you, if you did this, this would really help us out. And I see this as an opportunity for you. So um, I really felt like she, she was a, a coworker and it, it was wonderful. And it was a great way to get started with the program because everybody, you know, was fresh and learning. The rules were fresh. The guidelines were not even fully developed yet. The administrative procedures, I mean, the FCC guidelines were. Um, and so that was a really good, a really strong start. And then as the program continued to grow and we started to reach the funding cap, um, then a lot of uh, holes started to appear, might be a way to put it. Um, the demand was so high. I think USAC was probably overwhelmed. Um, healthcare providers consortia, it, it just kind of everything hit at once. And it was, it was very difficult. The, the transparency then went down, the level of partnership went down. We no longer had our liaison. USAC of course was growing like crazy. Um, so, you know, they had growing pains as well. And it got to the point where it was just administratively not any fun whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and that is exactly at the point where we joined Shelby. And right then uh, the feeling I still remember was we're not alone. You know, there, it was nothing. We weren't facing this on our own. We weren't the only ones going through this. Um, we were hearing across the nation about this. And so um, at, that's the point where we started having regular meetings with USAC um, and the FCC as well. And did a lot of um, different training sessions and webinars and really just tried to make our voices known and started to try to, to rebuild relationships and really advocate for that, that transparency that I mentioned, because we had the, the FCC rules on one hand, they're very clear and very delineated, but the USAC administrative procedures are top secret. They, um, that's not the word they use. I can't remember the word they use for that, but that's really what they are. They're top secret. They're not allowed to share a proprietary. That's what they wow. call them. Gotcha. Yes. So we follow the FCC guidelines that say, you know, this site is eligible if it has a, you know, can, you can show that it's a nonprofit or you could show it's, it's public. And if it's a rural um, clinic. So we would prove these things and then we're like, oh, no, they, they would say this isn't eligible because they haven't started yet. Well, where is that in the FCC guidelines? Because if we're not going to get funding until the site is opened, you know, why can't we prove who they are now so that when the site opens and when we request funding, everything's lined up and we don't miss like a whole year or six months of funding. So we would be hitting these top secret uh, proprietary um, administrative rules. And it was, it was very difficult. Um, and then it probably took, I almost think three years, but we're at a place now where those um, relationships are really being rebuilt. Um, and they're, and they're strong. They're much stronger. Thanks to Shelby. We have, um, advocates now, and we have an assigned advocate within USAC, to all consortia that has been just a tremendous resource. So I feel like we're really turning a corner. Um, you know, there is still going to be that sense of, you know, this is internal to USAC and can't be shared and the issues with the funding cap and such like that, but it, it is getting much better. 
Um, and one of the things that's just so important to us is for every single site, every service in our network, I want the full extent of funding that they are eligible for. I want it as quickly as possible and no gaps. And that is just, that's our passion. It is so important to us and it's our job. And if you're an individual health department or hospital, you know, and you're trying to navigate this system, it would be so incredibly difficult. Um, so we're, we're just really thankful that we can fight and, and learn all these things, learn in the hard way, you know, join with partners across the nation and just do the absolute best that we can for the, the subscribers that are part of our network. I love the passion with which you talk about all of this, Tracy. My follow-up question to you was going to be, if you had a magic wand, uh, what would you change? And, and you've already outlined that in a very eloquent way. Um, how do listeners reach you if they want to learn about their eligibility status for discounts? Is there a website or a phone number um, that they could access? Yeah, if you go to our website, which is mctna. Org. There's a contact us button on the top right, and you can do that or um, our con e contact either John or I. Um, I don't know if, if you guys will be able to provide contact information as part of this podcast, but that would be fine as well. We'll help anybody do a preliminary eligibility determination with no strings attached. We won't need to give you a quote on anything. We'll, we'll just look at, at your data and give you um, what we think it is the preliminary determination. Now you'll have to prove, you know, like if you're a behavioral health provider, you'll have to have a license. There's things that are excluded. Like if you share with a service that, uh, or with a site that isn't eligible, like say you have a for-profit physician or two, you know, within your site that has to be excluded. So there's things like that, that will would have to come out of the discount maximum, but we're always happy, happy to work with um, healthcare providers to work on that. And as John mentioned earlier, the we, we're not only focused on helping the subscribers in our network, it's actually part of, of our overall goal to help healthcare providers across North Carolina in whatever way we can. Now, if they become part of our network one day, that's great, but they don't have to. We want to help them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's good to know, and it's helpful for um, those listening to know how they can uh, access and, and get the resources that they need. Uh, Tracy uh, Olson and I and Dave Kirby have been uh, joined at the hip when I first started 21 months ago to talk about the what is and the what should be and the improvements um, that we wanted to continue to make. And so when Tracy Olson talks about process improvements and things like that, that's, that's something that we are all very, very focused on as part of this partnership and the way that we want to continue to support healthcare. We've got some very aligned um, items in our mission statement and the vision that we have for North Carolina and specifically healthcare. How has this partnership supported NCTNA and its mission? So it's been a, a great marriage, I have to say, and, and we anticipated that it would be, but it's been it's exceeding our expectations. And I'll talk about a few ways in which it's uh, this partnership has really made a difference. Again, we're very much aligned in that we're both nonprofits. We both have a, a real commitment to making sure broadband's available to everyone that needs it in the state, rural and urban. 
<clears throat> so with regard, with that in mind, uh, I'm just going to talk about a few things that MCNC provides in CTNA that makes us, uh, I think, a special service. Um, one is what we call dedicated circuits. And what that means is that we have a circuit that we actually manage the circuits for our subscribers. And that means it's never uh, overtaxed, that the throughput is the same, uh, going up and down 24-7. Um, and that's very different than the private sector model, which is a, a what is called an oversubscription business model, which means that uh, private providers will frequently oversubscribe a circuit, recognizing that sometimes performance will degrade as a result of that, but that at other times uh, people will meet their stated speeds. In healthcare, that's simply not an option. You can't have degradations in performance, which can have impacts on your electronic health records and, and uh, practice management software. and can really slow down and in some cases stop operations. So we have to have dedicated circuits where we manage the traffic and we make sure the throughput is consistent throughout. It's one example. Another example is uh, the 24 seven network operating center. It's located here locally and it's staffed not by customer service reps who are interested in perhaps generating additional business. It's staffed by network engineers. Who, who don't have a script that they respond to, who actually understand networking and can begin probing to understand what the problems are immediately. The, the, and they do that 24 seven. And we also call our care alert care, which is distinguished from other kinds of technical support by private providers. And what we mean by that is that not only do we respond quickly with people that, are, that, can, that have the technical background to respond, but we keep an eye out for potential problems ahead of time. And frequently we can anticipate problems before our subscribers even know about them. What that means is that we can begin uh, troubleshooting ahead of time and give our subscribers a heads up in terms of potential places that they might look for the problem. Um, but it also allows our subscribers, our technical support people on the other end to give their management heads up ahead of time so that they understand how they how they can best respond to a potential outage. And again, we have very reliable networks, but outages happen. You know, backhoes come over and chop a, a cable into these kinds of things happen all the time. And so it's very important to have a technical support that can uh, address those potential issues. The last thing I'll say, which is really important given our, our commitment to uh, eliminating the digital divide, as I said before, MCNC has 4,000 miles of fiber optic cable across the state. That's unique. None of the other service providers, the big private providers, none of them have that kind of uh, breadth and extensiveness. And that's critically important for rural parts of the state and the rural part of our mission. So these, are, these and many other things are all pieces of the partnership that have allowed us to provide an unmatched quality of service. Well said, John. Um, we are continuing at MCNC to grow that network uh, as we talked about some of the federal funding and then some of our goals for the upcoming year is to increase um, that 4,000 uh, mile of fiber infrastructure across the state. Um, you and I and Tracy have, and Jack have talked about what may need to happen for the clients in order to ensure they not just that their current services are met, but there are new services that might be really helpful for the healthcare community. What do you see next in this partnership? 
Well, we focused on our uh, on our core um, purpose, which is to make sure we have high quality broadband available across the state. Um, but we but at this point we have we believe we're in a in a good sustainable situation and can begin to explore new uh, service opportunities. And with that in mind, our board asked us to conduct what we called a potential services survey, where we we sent out surveys to our uh, members um, across the state and asked them what they were interested in. And we had a, quite a number of interesting findings, one of which was that many of the services, most of the services that were identified are services that are already provided by mature vendors. And what that suggested to us is that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. What we need to do is partner with other vendors who provide a high quality service uh, to make these uh, new services available. Um, the second thing uh, was that there were two services that stood out. One was security, which is not surprising with a particular concern about ransomware and that sort of thing. Uh, and the other was, uh, and that was true for all of our uh, members, whether they were large health systems or small health departments. Um, then the other service that was, was uh, most commonly identified, particularly by our smaller members was voice VoIP, voice over IP. And as it happens, um, MCNC has been working on the provision of both of these services through partnerships and through the provision and through their own staffing up. And uh, we've uh, looked at a number of different providers and we think MCNC is, uh, could be a great candidate to partner with to provide these kinds of complementary services. So I, I think Tracy D, you you certainly know this much better than I do, and you might want to comment on those. I, we're we're excited about both of these. Most definitely, uh, cybersecurity is top of mind for everyone right now. It uh, healthcare uh, has not been uh, missed in regard to the attacks that have happened uh, across the nation. Um, what MCNC has done. Uh, when we drafted our strategy for the next three to five years. The uh, one was enhanced protected connectivity, but the second one was establishing the cybersecurity practice. Uh, MCNC has always had some built-in security measures in our research and education network, uh, the one that uh, uh, NCTNA clients use, like uh, DNS filtering and um, web application, uh, uh, analysis, vulnerability analysis, all of those things are embedded in the service that we provide. But now we've gone a step further and established our vital cyber practice. And the intention is obviously to prevent, to protect and prevent harm to organizations like our healthcare community. Vital cyber is MCNC's cybersecurity solution to ensure the well-being of the community that we serve. And what it includes is a managed endpoint uh, security. We have some very in-depth consulting from uh, network engineers, and those are um, being created uh, along with advanced cybersecurity tools um, to allow healthcare institutions to access it in a very affordable way. Um, to solve their toughest challenges and keep um, a pulse on threats to provide this around the clock 
protection. Just like we have the net knock that is 24 by seven, we also are building a SOC, which is the security operations center that is also 24 by seven. As it relates to VoIP, uh, we heard you and the community that that was something that was really important that the clients would like to see. We don't do, um, don't do VoIP on our own. It didn't make sense to do that since there are other vendors out there that do that very well. So we partnered with AT&T in order to bring that service um, to uh, that, the community that you're talking about. Um, it allows the uh, clients to evaluate and purchase through MCNC, which th there's a lot of value there um, to be able to go to one point uh, to get all their needs met. So it's, it's a very exciting year that we've had. I think it will continue um, to be very excited, exciting as we expand our cybersecurity solutions. Uh, to meet the needs of all of our uh, community, but in particular healthcare. So we are excited about um, this partnership that we have with NCTNA and what the future holds. Since 2010, the NCTNA has led the effort to level the playing field, as we have talked about, for healthcare and, um, and many in North Carolina in particular and especially our rural communities. MCNC is proud to have helped create the Broadband Foundation for Healthcare Institutions that can scale to the future. I wanna thank both of you uh, for participating today. It's been a fantastic conversation. I'd like to say that I uh, provide a lot of value here, but you both are so well-versed in, in what you do and your commitment uh, to what you do. I'd like to ask both of you whether or not you have some final thoughts to share uh, with our listeners today. Tracy, I'll start with you. And one of the things I wanted to comment on is just the importance for us, for both MCNC and NCTNA in being nonprofits, and we have subscribers on our boards. And for MCNC, that, that means um, they're able to do things like invest in their infrastructure. So there are other service providers that, that may quote a price that is, you know, rock bottom to, to get you in the door. But then over time, you know, the, the, we've heard a lot of news about the, the degradation of copper and the, the, just the lack of investment in that infrastructure. So that's an example of, of what MCNC does that's so important that the money we're spending now isn't, isn't just gone. It's continuing to improve the future of the infrastructure. And something similar that, that we're able to do is we have a program now where we're guaranteeing discounts for eligible sites. So there's a lot of delays right now in the Healthcare Connect Fund program. It takes um, up to a year for funding to get approved. And if you miss that window, it can take another, uh, almost another year to get um, funding substituted. And so we're, we've been able to put this program in place as an investment in our subscribers, where regardless of whether discounts are approved or if there's gaps, 
we are able to maintain subscribers at the discounted rate. And MCNC has helped us to do this as well. We started off working on the program together to determine um, how invoicing would work. And if we ran into an issue where funding was delayed over a especially long time, you know, if there's any um, countermeasures we could do to, to keep going during that. And so it has worked out really well. And um, there are so many particularly rural subscribers that have benefited from this program. And it's not designed to make us any money whatsoever. We hope it'll break even. But if it doesn't break even, it's an investment back into our subscribers. And we're hoping to continue programs like that into the future. Thank you, Tracy. Um, it's interesting that you talk about those delays. You know, you and I started our conversation today talking about supply chain delays and how it also impacts um, the work that we do at MCNC uh, as well. So thank you for all you do to, to support those subscribers. And we're happy to be a part of that solution. John, any final thoughts for you? Just a couple of tidbits. First, um, I just want to reiterate what Tracy uh, mentioned, which was that we are subscriber-led. Our, our, uh, that's done intentionally. And the community discount guarantee program that Tracy was talking about is something that was fully supported and endorsed by, the, by our board. Um, <clears throat> the other thing, just a couple of tidbits. One is we've uh, contributed over $30 million, well over $30 million in discounts to healthcare providers around the state to this point. Uh, and we are the fourth largest consortium nationwide. So we have a real presence at Shelby and, and, and Tracy in particular has been a real leader in that, in that organization as we attempt to streamline the administrative processes, et cetera. Um, and then lastly, uh, because of our partnership with MCNC, we have a presence across the entire states from a health department in Robbinsville to a community health center in Ocracoke and everywhere in between. And we're delighted that we've been able to uh, accomplish that and we look forward to future growth. As do we. Uh, it's interesting that you speak about those really um, impressive statistics. And I feel like we should be shouting that from the rooftops at every opportunity we get. So I'm looking forward to talking more about you know, strategies to be able to do that because everyone should, should know um, about the work that's happening here. I wanna thank you for joining MCNC Community Connect. As always, we hope uh, the listeners have enjoyed this conversation. We look forward to our next discussion featuring technology leaders and innovators across North Carolina and across the nation. You can listen to MCNC Community Connect on www.mcnc.org, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.